Here we are, kicking off the Brian Oka Show, episode 38. 38 episodes in, and it's the first time we've been played in live. Normally, we don't introduce the guests until a little later in the show. By the way, we are recording in the Smart Start MN studios. You can find out more at smartstartmn.com. The original Ignition Interlock Company here in Minnesota. A couple of lawyers, but don't hold that against them. Despite the fact they're lawyers, they're both really solid individuals and just want to help you get back on the road. We will talk more about them today. We're going to talk to a guy who, you know, the whole point of this podcast to me is telling the stories of this community. And this guy is an important part of the story of this music community, the cultural community that we have going on here. He's a hell of a guitar player, Nate Dungan, probably most famous for your role in Trailer Trash, but you've done a lot of other things around here. How are you, Nate? Good to be here with you. It's lovely to have you here. And we will talk about Building Bridges with Music 2020. But before we get there, there's a couple other things I wanted to cover real quick. One, let's say hello to Sean Bernard. How are you, Sean? I couldn't be better despite the uh, end of the planet, okay, end well, of the world. It's all over. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about just a little bit here because I'm not really a doomer gloomer, and I, I don't really think this one has a conspiracy angle to it, but clearly it's worth taking seriously, or at least people are acting like it's very serious. COVID-19. Nate, are you at all afraid? Do you Have you stockpiled your toilet paper? Have you no. bought your surgical mask? No, Brian, I'm not afraid. I'm okay. Because yeah? here's, here's, I'm going to say we're going to be okay. Because if you study pandemics, they only knock out 3% of the population and then they go away. You're telling me you like your odds. I like my odds, even though I know, hey, listen, folks, I'm serious. It's If you look at the total population of the USA and you say 3% are going to die. Because that's what it says in Wikipedia. And that's the worst case scenario, by the way. That is the worst case scenario. It's not going to be that bad. Right. We hope, but if it does, 97% of us will survive. Right. So we're going to be all right. Well, I mean, to me, it's part of the global system. It sucks that anybody has to die before their time, but this has happened innumerable times throughout human history and i am glad that there are certain people taking precautions like just today you know when i heard that italy had quarantined 16 million people in northern italy but they've just confirmed a full 200 deaths that being said with how contagious this disease is it's a relatively small number now that does that mean those lives aren't important of course not looking at a little closer to home You know, we heard that South by Southwest completely canceled, which is wild. And, well, technically they're calling it postponed, but it's canceled for this year. And they are not offering refunds. Coachella just moved itself back to October for, pardon me, the first time ever, which is pretty remarkable. Other festivals have been canceled. and And the Houston Rodeo and Livestock Show was just canceled. There's still a week and a half to go on it. They're supposed to have... A whole another week and a half, and they canceled the whole thing. Am I allowed to get selfish about this for one second? Because they also, no one said a word about it because it's just a one-day festival, and it's not nearly as big as, say, your Coachella's. But uh, my daughter was nice enough to buy me tickets for the Cruel World Festival, Bauhaus, Devo, yeah. Blondie, Such a great lineup. Gary Newman. I mean, it's 1983 <laughs> in a nutshell, and she and I were going to go have fun. They're going to cancel it. And I understand that we want to nip this in the bud. I understand that we're trying to err towards the side of caution. But if we could err towards the cautious side of caution a little more, like the constant pictures, especially from California and other areas where there are plenty of confirmed cases, there's literally not a roll of toilet paper left to buy. No. And I get it. Like, maybe you're like, well, we're going to get quarantined, and I don't want to smell like ass all day. I need all this toilet paper. Or are there weirdos who are like, Hmm, maybe if I mummify myself, I'll be immune to COVID-19. I don't know what it is, but remember, your water will still run. It won't carry COVID-19. I I'm just drinking bleach right here. Oh, I'm man. Just, I'm just going to drink some bleach. And that's the problem. This this endless race towards willful ignorance that we have in this country right now. People are <laughs> like, well, I understand that if I gargle bleach, I won't, uh, I'll, I'll be fine. No, you won't. Bleach is a corrosive industrial chemical. Do not ever, under any circumstance, even if you think, uh, even if something terrible happened in your mouth, don't gargle bleach. Brian's right. Brian's right, kids. Don't do that. Oh, kids, stay in school, don't do drugs, and do not gargle bleach bleach the one other thing that struck me a lot today was before we get to our first song uh and it made me think about this song even though they're not directly related was i don't really follow college sports i'm not really a fan of college sports but i know what a big deal the ncaa tournament is both on the women and men's side and they've decided they're going forward with the competition they're going forward with the tournament but for the first time ever nobody gets to sit in the stands there won't be a single audience member 
participating. No just students. the parents. Just the parents. Oh, the parents do get to go? The, the parents get to go. That's the deal now. Okay. Yeah. So, so then the we'll public. Have... And I can imagine the kids going, oh, really? Go on, man. I wanted to perform for my, you know, do the show. Marching band or, you know, cheer squad or just if you're a fan, if it's your college or your alma mater, I know how big a deal it is to certain people. It's a huge deal. It's a giant deal, but the thought of them televising it with, so what, a couple hundred people sitting in the stands as opposed to tens of thousands, (laughs) it's kind of a mind boggler to me. Sean, you follow the college game closer than I do. Will it affect how the kids perform? Will it affect the energy of the event? Are we overreacting, or does this seem like a good preparatory move? Well, there's no winning for me answering this question, but I'll give you my opinion, which is that I think we're overreacting. And I I love the side of caution. I said the other day that it's, you know, it's kind of like the TSA thing. Like, I'm all for it. Let's be careful. Let's, you know, let's do everything we can. But let's not go crazy either. Not yet. And, and I think this, not yet, is exactly right. We need to kind of temper this a little bit. Um, I All I know is that if my son were playing in the basketball tournament, I would want to go. But I would be the dad that would come in and embarrass him. And I'd be wearing the full space suit. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> One small step for man. Like a hazmat suit, right? <laughs> exactly. Like just walking, yellow, like just, just, just bouncing in like anti-gravity. Up there, like, I'm with you, boy. You got <laughs> exactly. this. Just don't let any of your creepy friends get me sick. Yeah. Why yeah, not? Well, Everybody gets a hazmat suit. Just the ahead. NCAA games. Every, all the parents. <gasps> a signature 2020 hazmat suit. In their suits. And I just said, bring a little E.T. with me. You know, just a little E.T. from the end of the movie. Well, and, and think about it. You could easily get a sponsor if, as long as you put like a nice big logo on Hell's the chest yeah. there all yeah. those can be paid for by purell i don't know somebody <laughs> i think we're missing some marketing opportunities we here really amidst are. the human misery so we're going to you by clora just ahead we are going to be talking to nate Duncan, who is from trailer trash and has an amazing event coming up this weekend to help people who are genuinely need whether or not there is a worldwide pandemic this need still exists regardless and is worthy of attention so we'll talk about that just ahead in the meantime as i mentioned i don't really care about ncaa sports and basketball's never been my jam so to speak. Woo. Oh, bam. bam. Nice. Thank you. It was, wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> Be you. Uh, this guy was one of hip-hop's first superstars. He sort of was the first hip-hop artist to take advantage of the glorious dawn of the MTV era. And he wrote one of the most definitive songs about basketball of all time. It's Curtis Blow on The Brian Oak Show. Yes, Patrick Barry and 
It's classic. There's no question about that. Curtis Blow with basketball, and it might be as close as you get to basketball <laughs> if you're an NCAA fan, as they have now said, in addition to all these festivals being canceled, areas being quarantined, toilet paper, literally you cannot find it. So for those of you who bought up all the antibacterial and toilet paper, just remember that the rest of us are going to be out there suffering, knocking on your door like it's the walking dead, okay? Because <laughs> we want clean butts too. It's the Brian Oak Show made possible by Smart Start MN. You can find out more at smartstartmn.com. Also, Sean Bernard is a realtor at 50th in France, and I know that now the weather's getting warmer, even though we're clearly not out of the woods yet, people are starting to get a little antsy. A little itchy. They're thinking, man, am I moving? Am I buying? I got to get working on this. What do they have to do? They just have to give me a call, 612-859-2594. I got a new listing uh, that starts tomorrow, 5215 10th Avenue South, about four blocks from here. Good friend of mine, we're selling her place and then uh, renting a place on Medicine Lake. Uh, that'll be on on Saturday, which will be pretty cool. All right. I uh, remember a portion of every sale goes to the Warming House, a local nonprofit music venue. They also do lessons over there. And then everybody who buys or sells with me gets a uh, free membership for two. 
to the Warming House, 40th and Bryant. It's in the basement of Farmstead Bike Shop. Very Six, nice. Yeah, That's 612-859-2594. Very much in step with what we do here. We like nonprofit situations. We like music situations. And we like supporting both up-and-coming <clears throat> artists and artists who have been doing this and grinding at it for many, many years. Nate Duncan, member of Trailer Trash. Before we talk about the legacy of Trailer Trash, your legacy at Lee's Liquor Lounge and the work that you do at the State Fair and, most importantly, probably, well, maybe not most importantly, but of great importance, the charity event that you have coming up this weekend. I would like to know more about you. Where are you from, Nate? <laughs> Hi, Brian. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. Originally, I came up here to go to school in Northfield. St. Olaf? Uh, Carlton. Carlton it is. Very good. Uh, 30 years ago. And I went about a year and a half, and I was pulled by the bright lights of the Twin Cities mm. northward to go <laughs> hang out in, uh, in, in the, in the uh, what was then the rock and roll mecca of the world. And I didn't discover it till later, but it was uh, a wonderful town for live music. I just knew that was the place for me. So, yeah, I came from uh, the, the uh, foothills of the Smoky Mountains. For real. So yeah. the area you grew up with, I mean, was it rural? Was it suburban? Was it... I would call it rural suburban. I would call it... Uh, very much suburban. Okay. I mean, I'm a typical stodgy white middle class kid. Welcome to the club. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my mom and pop were nice folks, but there was a huge cow pasture across my backyard. Right. So it was, you know, and you could see the Smoky Mountains from where we lived. So it wasn't very far removed from true country situation. Right. But it was, it was Southern. Yeah, so you growing up then in that situation, <laughs> even if it is technically suburban, you can see the mountains. Yeah. It smells like cow shit in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, what? Sure. So growing up, what were you listening to that, you know, I guess I'm asking if there was an aha moment or yeah. it was a slow osmosis. Yeah. Do you remember when you oh, yeah. were like, music is my thing? Well, um, I was a typical kid in a lot of ways um, for my generation in that I was affected by watching TV and seeing Saturday Night Live bands. Mm-hmm. And so I saw Devo in 78 oh. and it changed my life. I saw them play that music and I was like, oh, that's how you do it. Connect the dots. That's the thing. This is like the modern version of the Beatles. This is basically what you do. But if much you, scarier. De- that that oh, Devo, but it was, I remember, it was terrifying. Super, super huge. And so at the same time, I was deeply influenced by what was what was called mountain music. Now, this is not to be confused with bluegrass. No, this is like root stuff. This is right. mountains different, yeah. Mountain music is the stuff that's coming straight off of the mountain, way up there in the hills of North Carolina and you know, western North Carolina and so eastern. Are we talking Tennessee. less banjo and more like washboard and Oh no, no, no. No, it's 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 but it's claw hammer banjo. Okay. You know? It's not five string banjo. Right. It's it's uh in it and it's just brutal old melodies that are three hundred years old. Mm. Right. You know, dead baby songs. Well, it, whew, yeah. that's the name of my new acoustic side project, by the way, <laughs> Dead Baby Songs. And, um, but I mean, like, so it's it's almost the difference between, like, say, like, Northern Blues and, like, Southern Trance Blues. Like, there is something more primal. There is something more ancient about the essence of it. Right. It, it goes back. And it's it's just in your DNA. And it's it's in the water, as mm-hmm. they say, down there. So that was, that was, these spoke to me, these kinds of music, this kinds of music, <laughs> they, this was important to me because it was the truth this was the three chords and the truth kind of music for me at that time and i can remember as a kid you know being like in grade school you know seven or eight years old going up to the smokies and you know driving around cage cove and what all and there'd be some guys picking on the side of the road mm-hmm. one of them would be selling his jars of honey or whatever and the other ones would be playing and it was just primal it was just a roots thing and that you know i I wish I could have, I wish I could have, you know, like just done a back dive into it and, and like imbibe more of it. But just a little bit that I got was enough for me. And that's, that's what's kept me going ever since. A good dose. Well, so when do you first pick up an instrument? How old are you when you decide, you know what? I can make this. I can do this. Well, you know, we all have our story. And (laughs) in my particular story was my dear sainted mother wanted me to play the French horn. But I Oof. wanted to play the guitar. Yeah, I think I feel like it might be hard to do mountain music with a French horn. <laughs> Not impossible, but so, challenging. I got, I got, finally got rid of, of, you know, the, I guess to cut to the chase. I finally got around to playing the guitar. All right, 
because I paid for my own guitar and bought my own guitar and finally started playing it at the age of 16. Now, mm-hmm. 16 is late why I'm saying that. For a lot of kids, they start when they're five or nine or whatever. Right. So I finally got into it when I was 16. And at that point, you know, new wave and punk rock was exploding. And so that's why Devo spoke to me. So I was into all that stuff. It was Devo and The Clash and XTC and B-52s. And I was just, you know, and that was the radical music at the time, Steve Bryan. That was when you could get beat up for listening to the wrong kind of music. If I grew up in a town called Coon Rapids and had a weird haircut. <laughs> I know exactly. Now, not quite like the South, but well, even though it was the North, it was. it's the biggest small town I was ever a part of. So no, I know what you mean. That's you exactly wear, the same thing. You wear your trench coat and your B-52s button on your trench coat and a funny you're haircut. You're time, motherfuckers. Exactly. You're going to get your ass kicked. Well, it happens. Right. It does happen. <laughs> so, yeah. So all the kids that were listening to Sticks and whatever else were, you know, and I hate to say it now because I've become more egalitarian in my musical viewpoint. I love Scorpions so much right now. It's not funny, but back then I was like, Scorpions are for squares, man. Squares with mullets. Yeah. And it was very much a a down and dirty kind of, uh, uh, it was very passionate, very, very, and, and I respect that about people. But here's the thing. It wasn't a pose for us. It wasn't a marketing posture that you would take. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the right haircut and I'm gonna play the right kind of music so I can be successful in my musical career. It was, it was just t- the trench warfare for us. So that was the difference between. Yeah, and I think that that is what really taught me about music coming up in a small town. You know, uh, when I got to the big bright lights of Minneapolis, Minnesota then I really appreciated that being, you know, schooled in this little pocket of isolation where music mattered so much, you know, and it really was truly about, you know, how much did you mean it? Because Mm -hmm. you could seriously get your ass kicked. I I couldn't (laughs) agree more. So before you leave uh, your hometown and make it up to the bright lights in the big city, go to college for a year and a half there, then make it up to Minneapolis. Did you form a band or or make any music? Now, a lot of people's people's first bands, I mean, I just, (laughs) I've gotten to have a front row seat for so many of these things. A lot of people's first bands are either not very good or shitty cover bands. Oh, we were so awfully good. Really? Right out of the gate? Well, it was me and my brothers. Okay. Oh, it was an it was a basement. It was a family basement band. What were they called? The Man Boys. The Man Boys. <laughs> Don't laugh, but it's true. I'm not laughing. No. He kind I, of I, I was I was smiling in appreciation, Sean. That's what I was doing. So the Man Boys, what kind of music did the Man Boys play? We were like this crazy redneck reggae ska band. And we were, we were, wow. so, well, that's the thing. That's, that's a, a weird intersection. <laughs> you would not. Okay. Are you familiar with, um, like, uh, Dash Rip Rock from New Orleans? Yes. So it's a Southern punk band uh-huh. that's influenced more by London and LA. And that's kind of what happened to us. That's what happens if you grow up in Knoxville, Tennessee with a weird brain. See what happens? <laughs> yeah. You go, Hey, look out London. Here we come. Back that, God, we that, gotta... that second wave of ska, the only reason I think most people alive today that yep. didn't spend any time in Jamaica listening to Rocksteady or Dancehall, the only reason most people know is because Britain embraced that second wave of ska so deeply that it filtered over here. You it's know what I mean? Beautiful. Listen to The Clash. Listen it's to The wonderful. Police. And those are the biggest examples, but there were hundreds of other English examples. Beat, Spectre. Madness. No. Anybody. Oh, yeah, I mean, so, and, but without them embracing that, that doesn't make it to you. Down in Knoxville. Yeah. And so that's the way it went for the musical education of me. The The whole new wave uh, lineup just was, was, that was my whole upbringing. That and mountain music, you know. And I also got in, I got into like the old school blues stuff. I was like deeply into, you know, the real deal stuff. Muddy Water, mm-hmm. Elmore James, mm. and uh, Big Bill Brunsey. And, you know, this was the stuff that I wanted to learn when I was just picking up the guitar. Now, the whole point for people listening is that this is the music that matters. That's really what it's all about. Whatever matters. Because I wanted to matter. And I wanted my music to matter. Well, it did. I mean, I had to internalize it, you know. And it wasn't just a matter of whatever sounds cool or whatever's hip or whatever makes you feel good. It was like, you know, this is the stuff that really is the foundation of your whole like psyche. That's kind of how music is for me. Do you remember back in those days 
with the man boys. Do you remember? Was it man boys? Yeah, you remember that. <laughs> oh, dude, I trust me. That. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm heading to band camp as soon hey, as we're I'll, done here. I'll, I'll bring you the record. I'll send you the record. You and, made a record and of the you man can boys. Spin it. It's not on Spotify. Here's what I want to ask and you. Neighbors. What was the? You know, obviously, people know the legacy of Trailer Trash, which we will talk about. But what is the either best? Do you remember either the best or worst song the man boys ever wrote? And do you think you could pull out thirty seconds of it? Oh, I'd love to. Um, it was probably our favorite song. Um, you know, by best or worst, we'll just say it's the same thing. Okay. Um, let the me one s- that stands out the most. Um, let's see if I can play a little bit for the fans right here. So, uh, let's see. Um, You're a stamp. You're a stamp. Little perforations on your edge. Picture a president on your head. That's where I see you're produced. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, you're a stamp, 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 you're a stamp. That's what the song's all about. So you that's what you do. Are you talking to a person? I got the bridge. how it went brian i understand that and i really am sorry i stepped on so somewhere between the second and third wave of ska is where the man boys fall into place were you talk was it a metaphor about a person you were talking to or were you literally singing to a stamp you'd have to have us you'd have to ask my brother james okay uh who lives in st paul all right and james if you're listening it's a great song. This is my favorite man boy song ever. I don't remember smiling that much in, in like the last 15 episodes of the podcast. That was genius, Nate Duncan. Um, I want to talk just a little bit here uh, about the man boys. Actually, I want to go. I want to their catalog. If Exploding you, if, out of you know, Rocky Hill. T-shirt. You have a record? Yeah. We made a little 45 uh, that <laughs> I think we made 500 copies of this little 45, and uh, it had. You're a stamp on one side, and on the back with, you know, B side, mm-hmm. uh, was a song called Waiting in the Wings. And so we were on our way to, uh, you know, our big showbiz break, and then uh, I left for college, and my boys, my my brothers, they got into another punk band called Red, which is a legendary punk band in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, mm-hmm. here's the funny thing, I'll tell you. See, Knoxville, Tennessee had this radical punk uh, original rock scene going on and it was uh you know the kind of thing where we had our own beatles and our own rolling stones and our own history of you know rock and roll in this little bitty town and i say that with all due respect to my friends in knoxville that was a scene i wish somebody like like uh uh you know there could have been a, a twin tone record uh-huh. in Knoxville because there were so many great bands that came out of Knoxville that were operating in Knoxville, right? You know, 78 to 83. And they were so awesome. And there was just like so much great music exploding in this little town. And that's the that's what it's all about, really. I mean, you know, making music DIY. Well, to me, it's it's a two thing. It's it's one. If you are an alt kid, if you are someone who has at least opened their eyes to something else that's happening in the world, this little tight knit community comes together. It's literally an oasis for you, mm-hmm. culturally, psychologically, musically, whatever the case may be. But then you think about Athens, Georgia. Even though a fairly right. decent sized college town, yep. the amount of music that came out of Athens, Georgia, and that great documentary Inside Out that talks about bands like the Flat Duo Jets and the Kill Kenny Cast. I love them. We all know B fifty twos. We all know REM. But there's Love Tractor. And pylon. Oh pylon! Yeah. You're the only other person that yeah. I've known in my adult life to reference yeah. pylon. I, I, well, other than Peter Buck, but you know, again, he, that's where he's from. And yeah. um, this is just... all going on, folks. This is what's going on. And the fact that the B 52s made it and got all the way to New York City and got to be successful uh-huh. is still a mystery to me. I'm wondering what, what was going on. How did they make it down there to 
Ireland Records, Brian. Because they were, they were, they were. So the B-52s are literally my first entree to alternative music. I had Good a friend for you. Hand, Good me, place to hand start. me a copy yeah. of Wild Planet when I was a teenager. Like, you know, you should listen to this band. And I was like, I did, and it it changed everything. I'm like, these guys are on Warner Brothers. Yeah. And what it made me think was, wait a minute, that means this is a major. That means there are probably a lot of bands out there that I don't hear on the radio, that are somehow still signed to majors, it sort of changed, it, it, my world grew that day, right? Like, I, I started to understand, like, oh, so then from Coon Rapids, I would go down, take the bus down, or my friend's VW minivan, we'd go down to Northern Lights, and we would buy records, man. Yeah. And it changed everything. So let's fast forward a little bit before we hear another song here. Um, you moved to the Twin Cities. Fast forward to the present. Not quite that far okay. forward, <clears throat> although we are going to get there Okay, and talk about the event this weekend. I want to know just a little bit more about Trailer Trash. You moved to the Twin Cities. Yep. How does Trailer Trash come together? Trailer Trash came together because I found a bunch of guys like me who just wanted to play music. We were weekend warriors that were looking for a, a release, and we were the kind of band that came together because it was you, me, and him, let's go do this thing. See? It wasn't about, let's make a bunch of music, let's like write out a set list and rehearse it, yeah. and then I'll, we'll get a band photo, and then we'll go get a gig. No. It was about, I got a gig this Friday, do you want to do it? Let's go do it. Beautiful. So, you, so you, it was more like a bank heist. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but like one we have to do one this. Nobody has to do yeah. any hard time, right? I mean, like, exactly. But, I mean, you know, again, I'm sure not every gig was brilliant, but I'm sure some gigs were beyond brilliant. Oh, I'm telling you, they got better and better. That was the fun thing about it. And then people started to show up. And then it was like, oh, now we got to burn. We got to really crash and burn. We got to really do this. Right. And so we would go to the basement and rehearse and go, what do you got? Okay, here's a couple new songs. Do your part. You know, and it's like a team, you know? You're like on a football team, so run your pattern. <laughs> Don't, if the guy snaps the ball. I need a crisp route. You got to <laughs> run. A crisp yeah. route. Just do your thing and, and depend on the whole team to, you know, put the ball in the end zone. Right. That's that's what we were doing. So that's kind of the way Trailer Trash came about, as opposed to all these, because we had all been, everybody in Trailer Trash had been in other bands. Right that had tried to get a record deal. I mean, seriously, you yeah. rehearse mm -hmm. and rehearse three times a week, and then you go play your big gig at the entry or the Uptown Bar, and you're exhausted, and people are going, hmm, I liked it. Very that's nice. That was all right. It was good. I think, I think you have a lot of potential. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're like, good Lord, man. I just, ah, oh my God. So what does it take to, to actually, you know, you know, just have a good time in a bar and you know where I learned the whole connect the dots template for the whole thing was watching Curtis A. Yeah. Curtis A played Wednesday mm -hmm. nights at the Uptown Bar in mm -hmm. the Uptown 85, 86. Man, I missed that place. Oh, boy. I go past the uh, the location, and it's, you know, it's a Apple, Apple store. store. Oh. I do. <laughs> An Apple store that once used to serve the best hash browns I've ever had in my entire life. Hangover oh, hash browns. Dude, the Euros platter. And then about seven Bloody Marys to get you back into Sunday night. Son <laughs> yeah. of a bitch, I missed <laughs> yep. that place. But they also had great music there. Well, yeah. and, and Curtis A., you know, people think in this day and age of Curtis as an eccentric. Uh, you know, But this is a guy who belongs... He's as much a part of the Minneapolis music mm -hmm. story as any other single person you oh. can mention, and maybe no. more. He's he Kurt is a... An icon. He's he's like the guy that got it all going for everybody. He totally is. And so he was holding it down on Wednesday nights, and it was an intense scene. And I was looking at what he was doing, and I was thinking, okay, that's how you do it. You get a regular gig. And nowadays it's called a residency. Aha. Uh -huh. And you get your regular gig going, and then you can grow the crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's as much about the crowd as it is about the band. And well, it's a two-way street, right? Because it takes great crowds to make great bands. If you don't have that, you don't have a great band. If, a, if, if, if you and me and Sean got a great band together and we didn't have a great audience, well, we'd have to go to the next town. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. If, well, if, if we didn't find a place to play, we'd have to pack up our tent and go to the next shop. What, what I loved about Trailer Trash is that, is that 
even if I had other plans earlier in the night, I always knew that I had friends who were at the trailer trash shows. <laughs> so, like, even if I had to stop off at some work happy hour or something else, I knew I could go to trailer trash, and I would know a bunch of people there already. So right? I want to talk more about that legacy. I want to talk about where you first got your regular gig. Everybody knows that there is an inseparable bond between the late great Lee's Liquor Lounge and Trailer oh. Trash. I want to talk about that, but the Trashy Little Christmas was really sort of my first mm-hmm. entree into just what a crazy tradition Trailer Trash was. And even though it's mid-March, did you tell me that you're going to play us a Christmas song? Or at I least could a part of it? Ah, uh, yeah, I could do a little bit of that. Let's see here. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Baby, she's crazy for Christmas It's her favorite time of year She's counting down the days of December Until it's finally here She's got a wreath on her car Got antlers on her grill Top of her antenna Christmas star, star, star is all lit up with presents from a store For she wraps them up, she's back from more, more, more My baby, she's crazy for Christmas It's her favorite time of year By the end of November <laughs> Her wardrobe turns to red and green all right, that's it. That's all Fine. I got for you, man. No, that, what do you mean that's all you got? That was brilliant. <laughs> Here's the weird thing, and Sean knows this. I am an avid collector. I have a collector of holiday music. Halloween, probably first and foremost, but my yeah. collection of Christmas music is yeah. stultifying, and I love it very much, and obviously you do, do too with the, oh. the enthusiasm. Now, Trailer Trash yeah. plays year-round. I'm taking a look at your website right now, trailertrashmusic.com. You got a ton of gigs coming up this year, this spring, this summer. Setting them up, knocking them down, A Brian. lot of gigs, but... <laughs> Let's let's talk about let's talk about how trailer trash and I know that part of it is because you were taking care of a lot of the music there. How do you develop the years long relationship you have with Lee's Liquor Lounge and where does how does the beginning of a trashy little Christmas bubble up? Well, you know, and here's the thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back this up and and answer that question like reverse engineer that question. All right, please do. From the standpoint of a guy looking for a gig, right. Okay, so I get a lot of calls from guys going, hey, I got a band. We'd like to play a gig. Where do I go? What do I do? And that's kind of me. That was That's exactly what I was trying to do when I started up this Trailer Trash Lee's Liquor Lounge thing. And the answer is you make it a party. You make it a natural thing where it's like don't be focused on the outcome. Don't be focused on, like, how do I grow my career? Like, how am I going to be um, – you know, on brand. How's this <laughs> or, going to be recognized on Instagram? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, how am I going to get a deal? How am I going to, you know, and at the time it was all about getting a record deal. Okay. So like you make your demo, you get your deal, get your limo, get in the car, you go downtown, you be a shot, big shot, you know, no, it <laughs> was for me, that's, this is going back to our dear Kurt, Curtis A. This yep. is Curtis A was like, you know what I want to do? I want to pack a club and rock it. That's all I want to do. That's all he's ever wanted to do, I think. Well, and so that's what Trailer Trash was all about. It's like, we're going to find a place and we're going to rock it. And that's the goal. So a lot of guys want a record deal. I wanted a bar deal. Now, a lot of my friends, you know, at the time didn't get that at the point. They were like, what? They wanted a five-point plan. What are you thinking? (laughs) Why would you want to do that? You know, you're selling a lot of beer. But you're not selling a lot of records. When are we going to sell out Wembley? That's actually my first question, yeah. right? As opposed, here's what I love about Lee's and the fact that you 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 hitched your wagon to that particular engine is that my favorite thing about Lee's, and I came to the Lee's party late. I'm going to be honest, just because it's a little ways out of downtown, and I was always a little lazy. And every time I've gone, my favorite thing about Lee's, no matter who's playing, your band or another, there were people there that I'm like. They like this band, but they were dancing. What's great about a roadhouse like that, when you watch people dance, like, and I'm a little too self-conscious to dance, but when you watch people who, you know, that's what they want to do. Like, I've yeah. I, I become good friends with Terry Walsh, and he's played there a zillion times. Terry. And, yep. Same. And he is, 
whether it was him, whether it was your band, you know, whether it was people who were like took swing dancing lessons yes. and knew what the hell they were doing, or well, just average you people. Know, Brian, I'm telling you. If you dance, you got a chance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I do. That's which is the probably whole why. point of that thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, but I, I, but that's what's fun is like most clubs you go to, Minnesotans are too square, too reserved, too self-involved to dance. Oh. At Lee's Liquor Lounge, people love to fucking but dance. They just needed well, an did. excuse. That was the thing. Right. That, right, that right. was that was. Oh, and see, here is the the great. This is that's actually important. That's actually Agreed. really that's interesting that you bring that up that way because there is this this uh, uh, mindset, this stigma that oh we're Minnesotans, oh we sit on our hands, <laughs> oh I don't mind if you dance, but oh it might you know get in my way. Oh you know there's this kind of uh, you know Scandahoovian uh, <laughs> reluctance or you know the fact that uh, you know there's this I don't know how you define it, but the I'm here to tell you it's not true. Right. There is a radical, wild element to Minnesota music that people are in denial of. And I'm just going to say it right here because here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it back to the, to the early part of the last century mm. when the pioneers <laughs> came through up here, they brought polka music. Oh yeah. And the polka music is radical and wild and fun. What and is so, the name of that show that's on MCN6, the local cable access show, Polka Spotlight? Thank you. Yeah. So yep, back like in that. the in the early 90s, you know, late 80s. Folks, polka <laughs> is no, a clandestine no, no, world no, well, no, that you got to know about. Here's what's weird is people who were three times my age were showing twice or three times the exuberance. My buddy and I would sit down and do a little late morning wake and bake and watch Polka, what's it called? Spotlight. Polka Spotlight. With Ben and, Rambo. Exactly. Yep. And But, I mean, you watch these people who, they've clearly been together for 60 years. Oh, go for it. Woo! Everybody polka. But the exuberance. Woo! The exuberance. And, That's a Polish polka right there. Well, it is. Chicago. And, and the dancing, man. Like, the I mean, Chicago like, push. There is something revolutionary about dancing, and it, it scared me, man. But, like, people who, like... Now, let me tell you, this is the thing that... The Twin Cities has over Music City. People want to talk about Nashville, Tennessee, and like it's Music City. Well, it wasn't all up in Nashville. All this country music and polka music for sure and all kinds of great music. It's the tradition of social dancing that runs from Minnesota down to Texas that is the core of American music. And I'm going to stand right here. I would say that. I swear, I'll stand up on anybody's coffee shop table and swear. <laughs> Dude, th this one's actually not entirely paid for, so don't stand up on this table yet, okay? <laughs> no, I'm serious, because here's the thing. This is the foundation of social dance and the, uh, you know, you want to talk about Bob Wills. You want to talk about Lawrence Welk. Let's talk about, you know, how people go out and have fun. It's drinking and dancing. Mm -hmm. Well, this is something that I don't believe everybody in Minnesota understands and appreciates and, and really gives a lot of credit to. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we can talk about old school honky tonks. We can talk about old school juke joints down south. We can even talk, and I think this includes this, although obviously not quite the same aspect of that history. You know, my friends were rave DJs back in the 80s, and even though there were people who would go to clubs and dance. It's because their parents did it. These parents, these these guys would dance for six hours at a time, yeah. and it was so exuberant, you know, and so it's different than watching an old couple do polka dance, mm -hmm. but there is something exuberant and ecstatic and, frankly, elemental about dance, man. It was in their DNA. Dance, was in their DNA. Maybe, That's what I'm telling maybe, you. Maybe, yeah. They were learning it from their parents because they were, you know, they were schooled yeah. to understand. This is how you have fun. You want to, and so that's what we did at Lee's Liquor Bar. When you talk about the success of Lee's Liquor Lounge and swing dancing, we had two things going for us. One was the this this ascendance of uh, what they at the time called alt country music, and that was that's its own thing. And then there was swing music that was coming up, and swing music was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And this was how you could hold a person of the opposite sex Go in, on. in your arms <laughs> yeah. in a socially ordained, controlled setting, and it was okay. But also occasionally swing them up over your head when it comes to swing music. <laughs> I mean, it got when it really became a thing, it gets a little exuberant. Well, and, you know, 
okay, I'll I'll just say right there, I was never a fan of the aerial maneuvers. Okay. Whenever what, I saw... What about back I, in the 20s, man? Like the Lindy, that kind of stuff? Lindy Hop never... Well, yeah, they were doing that stuff, but those people were trained. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never been strong enough to lift somebody up over my head or swing them down underneath my legs. Or 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 uh, schooled. I mean, trained. It's, it's like this. I mean, you can't just take your partner and <laughs> swing her... Uh, in the opposite direction <laughs> that her arm. You do not want to dislocate a gal's arm. That's not a fun date experience. Well, at least Sean, will you will you check that to make sure that's true? Will you look online to make sure that women don't like their arms dislocated? <laughs> I'm going to check it out on uh, Google shortly. But please, I think well, at least the challenge was that you get 13 or 14 Miller High Lives in you, and yeah. uh, you know you can't be swinging people around doing the helicopter. And good point, Sean, because you know what? It's <laughs> it's it's in your best interest to just keep the momentum going. Don't try and yes. fly and jump and just a couple spins and let's come in close on the and, ground. Right. Yeah, just keep the groove going. That's the main thing. Yep. Yeah, and you know, work with the momentum, not against it. Well, I think that to me was <laughs> my greatest fear about dancing is that if I was, I mean, you know, once you get a couple cocktails in you then suddenly dancing suddenly seems much easier <laughs> that's a good become, thing that's okay that's you become okay less concerned but then like when you watch people whether it's salsa dancing whether it's swing dancing whether it's polka people who know what they're doing it's intimidating but i also think that what you're getting at and what i'm getting at is it's still worth giving it a shot because those people are having fun and all they would love is for you to have fun as well and dancing's a big part of it before we talk about the event coming up this weekend i really do need to mention smartstartmn.com they are minnesota's original ignition interlock company what does that mean if you your friend, someone you know someone you know by a person by a person by a person gets themselves a dui they're facing an uphill battle. It's going to be a while before they can get their license back, before they can get back in their car, before they can get back to some semblance of a regular life, and it could potentially be very expensive. These are two lawyers, Ed and Mike, who have gone out of their way to, they're the originators, right? There are other people who've moved in on their territory, but these are the guys who are from here, a couple of very well-trained, good lawyers, music heads as well. They can't seem to stop talking about music, um, but they were the first people to jump on board with the Brian Oak Show podcast, and we want to say thank you to them. Them, we also would like to direct you towards them in case you should run into some sort of problem. Where should people go? Just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. You can also click on the banner or hyperlink at brianoakshow.com, and that just kind of tells them that it came from us, and you get 20% off uh, the installation. What the fuck is a hyperlink? I don't know. It was from the 90s. I thought I'd bring it back again. <laughs> it's a hot link, baby. It's a hot link. There it is. Don't hot forget, link. Don't forget to check out our GeoCities chat page. Um, <laughs> just kidding, of course. BrianOakshow.com is a real website, though. And we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Show, which will get you into upcoming live events that we're going to be doing. The next one to be announced very shortly. Um, what else? I want to just thank everybody who's been on board. AudioQuip.com. Very, very good people. Um, they provide, say, like, let's say you have a TED Talk coming up, or maybe a motivational speech at a high school, uh, or you just like to set up a bunch of audio equipment in your basement and (laughs) pretend like the whole world is listening, whatever the case may be, they can hook you up, audioquip, Q-U-I-P dot com. Uh, Thanks to Nate and his entire staff. They really have been invaluable in helping us get this off the ground. Is this really episode 38? It is 38. So here's the problem. we got to wrap this up relatively soon. But Nate Duncan, yes, Trailer Trash, yes, Lee's Liquor Lounge. I don't want to talk. We'll talk more about the depressing end of Lee's on another episode. What I would like to talk about, what I would like to talk about, though, is the work you do at the Great Minnesota Get Together because. Mm. Uh-huh. I've had uh, different people from the Minnesota State Fair on the air over many, many different years. And most recently, and I cannot remember her name to save my life, but we had someone come on to talk about the fact, and she put this in such a fine point, the Minnesota State Fair is the single largest music festival annually in Minnesota. When you think about the number of bands the number of stages, the number of shows available, not just on the daily, but over the course of those 11 days, it's the single biggest music festival in Minnesota. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. What do you do at the State Fair? I book the entertainment. Okay. The bands on the free stages. So this is you. 
So this. So is... you're telling me when I saw George Clinton a couple of years ago, oh. that's because Nate made that happen. What a night! It was a, amazing. What an amazing show that was. Or if I see Brandy Carlisle on the oh, Liney Lodge stage. Goodness, she, she's a mind bender, man. A face 2008. Filter. Yeah, that was. yeah. The same year we had Sharon Jones. Oh wow, the late great Sharon Jones, and she was so wonderful. She was so mm-hmm. like raw, pure, honest, open, and straightforward with everybody. You know, a lot of artists are in their little routine. They flight, mm-hmm. they did little flight. They got to do their flight plan. You know, yeah, they yeah. don't want to deviate. Not Sharon. She was hanging out yep. by the barricade talking to fans. Doesn't surprise and me at all. People were walking up going, I love you. And I was like, do you want me to get security? And she's like, no, I love them too. We're fine. It's okay. What's great about the State Fair is you will get national and internationally lauded acts, but it also provides a venue for lots of mid-level up-and-coming artists. It's right there, baby. There are so many stages. There are so many venues to market and there are yep. so many people at the state fair they're like oh i'm just over here to get my chicken gravy waffle snack or whatever the hot <laughs> new snack of the but then stick. suddenly there's a good band right there and you're yeah. like whoa so like i mean do you i'm already, i'm sure you're already you're inundated with too many bands to be able to That's tend okay. to no do, do you it. like people to reach out to you yeah, about absolutely. being there How, absolutely what's the best way for them to do that well you never know where uh, the next thing is going to come from. Right, right. So as a talent buyer, which is the name of the job, mm-hmm. you have to be open to everything. Right. You can't sit there and guess or second guess. So right. um, it's on the State Fair website. And the State Fair website, which I'll give you in a second, it has a link for you to click on. And you can hot send link. an email. Right. <laughs> a hot link. A hyper. <laughs> and hyper hot can, link. They have a GeoCities page, which you're going to love. <laughs> and you can send in your web links. Because that's how it's all done. Right. So you go to mnstatefair.org, minnesotastatefair.org, and you send in your band, website, Facebook page, whatever you got, that's fine. And it's all considered and reviewed. Now, here's the thing, folks. Elvis Presley played fairs when he was breaking wide, when he was breaking nationwide. He was playing state fairs, county fairs. Through Huge Texas back then, yeah. and wherever else. Yeah. So I'm, you just never know. Precisely. There's a lot of fun to be had at a fair. I interviewed Chris Osgood of the Suicide Commandos, yeah. and you could argue that Minnesota's alternative music scene, although we had garage yes, artists and folk artists, you I could know where you're easily argue that. that Suicide yep. Commandos pioneered what happened in the 80s here happened in the 80s. They literally broke it down. I asked no, Chris Osgood it. about that. Yep. He's like, the New York Dolls played at the State Fair in the Grandstand one year. Well, We went true. and saw them, and he's like... That's what we're going to fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, by them seeing that one thing, they went and did a thing that, of course, there were lots of other great bands. But, Dude, but let me tell Suicide you. Commandos kicked open the fucking door, man. Do you, do you realize it was, uh, um, um, I'm trying to say the word, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm blanking on a. We can cut it out. Night Moves. Give me the. the Bruce, Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. Seeger. Played the State Fair. What? Yeah. Played Teen Fair. Um, Before we wrap this up, I'd like to change. Forty nine. If, if we um, can find uh, Suicide Commandos, complicated fun. Let's make yep. that our out song tonight. Sounds good. Love it. Know right. it. Got it. Go ahead. That's uh, good. One a buck forty nine. Uh, funk forty nine. Funk forty. Oh, Joe, Joe Walsh. Walsh. Yeah. Joe Walsh played the State Fair. I saw Ringo's All Stars um, in that stadium. I, I saw yeah, so many. That was a great gig. I saw Steve Martin in oh. the in the in the in the grandstand. <laughs> I mean, it was. I remember him running by or driving by in his limo, yeah. going like ah in the white yeah. suit and people lost their freaking minds. <laughs> you know that and so again, yes, there's yeah. the grandstand. Yeah. Obviously the grandstand are your headliners, you know. Oh, yeah. I love the wagon as much as anybody. That would be Ario Speed. Oh, there wagon it is. Okay. To you. Uh but like <laughs> even this last year, Hall and Oates. I mean yeah. like who are brilliant by the way. If you want to yeah. talk shit about Hall and Oates, you come and talk to me because fuck you. They're really, really good. <laughs> is that too strong? No, that was Did great. I go no, too that, far? That was great. No, they were fantastic. Right. You know who else was really great last year? Who? Tommy James and the Chanel's. Of course. Tommy James and the Chanel's were freaking amazing. And people were going bazonkers. Of course they were because, <laughs> because I mean, you don't. So here's the deal. What'd you say? Elvis used to play state fairs, county fairs. That's how he got big. That was a thing. Woo. But I mean, like the reason Tommy, J- I have a theory about what I call the casino song. Now, Tommy James and the Shondells obviously had a few songs, but all you have to do is have one big enough hit 
Yeah. You'll be able to play casinos and county fairs the rest of your life, and I don't begrudge anyone that. Like, good for you. You get to be a musician the rest of your damn life. That, yeah. I think that's amazing. Well, you got your hands full right there because there's a lot of bands that, that cut a song that they can't tour on. They get a little hit, a little one-hit wonder right. with uh, sleeping single in a double bed. Mm. Good luck. That well, the rest of your you life. know what I mean. Though. Like, it's got it's got to have a little staying power. Hey, before we call it, um, Nate, this has been awesome, man, and you will come back. Yeah, I'll be back. I feel Let's like we, I feel again. like I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. Um, you'll keep doing. I, I don't think you call it trashy little Christmas anymore, do you? <laughs> I'm just gonna sit over here cross-eyed because I can't really play. <laughs> I wish I had another guitar with me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll do it again. The real reason I invited you on, and I'm sorry we waited till the end of the show to talk about it, is there's something coming up this weekend at the Uptown VFW, which is a great venue to see a live band, called Building Bridges with Music 20. It's a concert for Guatemala. Now, this is something Trailer Trash has always been a part of, but as you mentioned on your social media, you're stepping back this year and allowing it to feature some incredible female artists, Mary Coutrefello, Vicki Emerson, Wendy Lewis, Sarah Morris, who has been a guest on this very show and was dazzling for every moment she was in here and Siri Unlin, better known as Humbird. So before we talk about this year's event, where did this start? I mean, I know it's to build a bridge and provide necessary infrastructure and supplies for a very specific village in Guatemala. Has this been going on since like 2008, 2009, something like that? Correct. This is something that has really just been a part of our, uh, my, by our, I mean, my wife and my uh, culture, our, our, our relationship. Yep. And so the fellow that runs this mission in Guatemala is the fellow that married us. And so it wow. means a lot to us. And I can't put it any more personally than that, than to just say, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. And so I get behind it and I'm really proud of the work that's been done there. And I'll tell you this, Brian, it's the kind of thing where you give a dime and you get a thousand dollars back because it's so amazing how much positive, how much work can be done with just a little bit of contribution on Mm -hmm. everybody's part. You know, these folks down there, they are so close to the poverty level. They have almost nothing. Oh, it's like we're talking a stone's throw from the stone age. Yeah. right, right? Right. So it's just really great. What's been able to happen down there. So, We've done things like build a literally build a bridge across this river that okay, but I guess I should back up just to try and say this is a mission that's funded by the St. John's Episcopal Church mm-hmm. in Linden Hills, South Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've been doing this work now for a good 10, 12 years. And the director of the work is Bill Peterson. And so Bill has gone on to become the executive director of Friends of San Lucas, which is in the same, which is the big city next to this little town that we're doing this work for. And I know I'm going down the rabbit hole for you, Brian, but no, seriously. I'm not in any hurry. Dude, in this day and age that we live in, if I can hear more words about human kindness and what how little it takes to have a wildly sort of disproportional impact on other people's lives, yes. even if you've never met, that actually makes it more important to me. Exactly. So take a couple minutes to go down the rabbit hole well, by all means. thank you for that. And you know what? This little event, you know, it's a $20, $25 donation at the door. Can I throw in one other thing? Only because right it matters ahead. to people our age. This is not only a family-friendly event. The doors are at 3 this Saturday. Music goes from 4 to 6. You can bring small children. Yes, you you can. can force your teenagers to get out of their sullenness and come out of the house. And you can still be home at a reasonable hour and do the right thing by your fellow human beings who are going to benefit more from your $20 than you ever will when you leave the house on your own. And still have time to go out that night. See? Because oh it's, it's done at 6 o'clock. Look at Mr. Rockstar over See here. How that works. I was thinking about going back home and watching Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. <laughs> but, you know, to each their own. So it's, it's 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. This Saturday night at the Uptown VFW 28, or excuse me, Lake and Lindale, 29th and Lindale. And in case someone's listening to this in the distant future, we mean March 14th, 2020. Yes. So it's not yes, every Saturday. March 14th, 2020. The day before the Ides of March, so nothing to beware. Just get yourself fine. home before midnight. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, and, and believe me, I could go on about the wonder 
wonderful work that is going on down there. Um, this is the. Well, let me ask you a question then, because yeah, we do have to wrap this up. But just because you know, I know that there are areas of I don't want to say squalor because I don't want to make it sound like you know these are cave people. These are kind, decent, caring. No, people. they got knocked out by the uh, 2008 uh, uh, tropical storm Maria. But, it, but it's still through. not better yet. I mean, it's still not all the way back. So I mean, right. are we working on water? Are we working on food? Are we working on clothes? Obviously, the bridge is important to connect them with the rest of their community. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wh- what kind of needs do these people have? Well, the, the the most impressive thing that we've done recently is build a bridge across the ravine. Right. For you know that separates this community from uh, their fields where they go to work every day. Um, we have also built uh, cooking stoves for the community. You know, uh, to ha- actually be able to. Eat. We're talking about just subsistence, barely. You mean yeah. like food? Yeah, and just <laughs> right. I'm. There you go, food. I mean, and I'm not. Try- and I'm to- not trying to be a smartass about that, but I think when people think about these sorts of endeavors, they're like, "Well, everyone's got food. I mean, you can just pop down to Seven Eleven and get yourself like a burrito right. or something." Nope. Right? That's like, kind of how it is. It, it's it, and you know, so you, you, and, they, did- and they're not afraid of working. They're not afraid, at, but they're good at their community. Yep. They just need a. a a little assist. And a little goes so far down there. So, mm-hmm. for example, this year we're building a road. So it's just a matter of building a, uh, a little stretch of, of of road. And you would, just like you say, food. And you say a bridge or a school. You know, these are just basic things. That we take for granted every damn day. Yeah. So it's really a, a blessing and a, a real opportunity that we have just this this wonderful opportunity to help this little community down there. So it's really great, and that's what we're doing. And even if your heart is black and filled with venomous poison, for only $20, you can see Mary Cutrafello, Vicki Emerson, Wendy Lewis, Sari Morris, and Humbert. Even if you don't care about anybody, that is a bargain right there. But hopefully you'll keep your black heart at home and maybe just mail them some money. If you'd like to know more, people can head over to TrailerTrashMusic.com. They can get all the details on this event. And Nate, you got to come back, man, because your band is playing all over the place this summer. And as we get closer to the holidays, I don't think you call it Trashy Little Christmas anymore. But oh, you, yeah. Oh, you oh, do? Oh, oh. Yeah, and there'll be a series of events. Oh yeah. Now see, so I'm, I've got sort of a, up. I've got sort of a, um, <laughs> I've got sort of a freakish addiction to holiday music. If yeah. you'd be willing to come back and, um, oh, we'll we'll do that, and we'll we'll play some holiday music, the likes of which we don't often get to hear. That'll be fun. On air production meeting, maybe for our live Patreon event. Say yeah. November as a little teaserino. That'd we, have, be fun. we have trailer trash come in. And if you need anybody to interview anybody, uh, any artists at the fair, there's a guy over there that's pretty good at it. That'd he could help great. promote these yeah. uh, these artists at the fair. So that's our on-air plug right Another there. Another on-air production meeting. I love yes. it. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Sean, thank you very much. Man. Thank you. And Nate, uh, lovely to thank talk you, to you. Thank you, Brian. I great really appreciate here. it. And as Nate, who is the talent booker, is that the name of it? That's actually what it's Buyer. called. Buyer. Talent, okay. talent. Thank you. Talent. Buyer. Sorry, talent. talent buyer, because talent buyer at the Great Minnesota Get Together talking about how you never know who you're going to see. You never know when that next. Some people will buy tickets to the grandstand. Some people will just happen across the stage like, oh, is that George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic? <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I could watch that for a while. You never know who you're going to see. And again, I will never, as long as I live, forget when Chris Osgood told me the story that he and some friends went to see this band at the State Fair, literally inspired them to form the Suicide Commandos. Oh, that's awesome. And I love that. And That's uh, really, really cool. It might be overstating the case, but without that, without that, that moment happening, from other people too. without that moment happening, I don't know that we live in a town as cool <laughs> as we live in, so we'll see you back here. Thanks for tuning in to episode 38 of The Brian Oak Show. <laughs> Thank you.
Dumb. You don't like it cause you're not any fun And what's more, we need to get some together 